to look at some of the big stories right now in Indigenous affairs, I'm pleased to welcome back Dana Morse to Late Night Live. Dana is the ABC federal reporter for Indigenous affairs. She's a Plan Gamarana Palawa woman. She joins me on the line from Canberra. Dana, hello. Hello. Good to be with you. Uh, election season, of course, in Victoria, and that's a time of some controversy. But but one one controversy raised the question of Aboriginal identity. Now, tell us about the the Labor candidate for the seat of Richmond, Lauren O'Dwyer. Yeah, it's been um, quite a messy campaign on both sides down in Victoria. But to get into the story coming out of the seat for Richmond, now, this has been a Labor stronghold seat for about around about 100 years. And the current (laughs) incumbent uh, MP, Richard Wynne, he is retiring. And Labor have put up a new candidate. Her name is Lauren O'Dwyer, as you said. Now, Lauren, uh, in her campaign material, refers to herself as a proud York to Yorta Woman. And when those uh, campaign ads started to uh, get some traction, because we were in the build-up to the campaign a few weeks ago, uh, there was a lot of questions raised by Yorta Yorta people uh, around who she was uh, because they didn't know her from the community. Uh, and so that was at the time she responded and said she knows who she is and she has a confirmation of Aboriginality certificate. Mm. Um, so what's then happened uh, after the, these reports surfaced was uh, the Indigenous Affairs reporter, Jetta Costa, uh, went deep on this and really started to look into it. Now, we understand that Lauren's uh, confirmation of Aboriginality certificate is from the Nyanda Aboriginal Corporation in Echuca. Uh, we haven't been able to cite that document document. We uh, tried to get an interview or get Lauren to answer some specific questions around her uh, understanding of her identity and her heritage, and she declined uh, multiple times. Uh, She hasn't made contact with the Yorta Yorta Aboriginal Corporation. And that's a problem because uh, basically this is Yorta Yorta business and that mm. people might be familiar with the the sort of three pillars to um, identifying and um, being an Aboriginal person in Australia, and that is that you identify, the community uh, accepts you as Aboriginal, and you have a genealogical link. And there are question marks over whether or not Lauren O'Dwyer has all three of those things. Because the I mean, Yorta Yorta people, it's... Uh very well-defined genealogy. Uh, they are, yes, yeah. So Yorta Yorta, um, it's, it's one of the only mobs in Australia that can so specifically define who is and who isn't because mm. um, it's made up of the descendants now of the 16 families who moved to the Kamaragunja mission uh, when it first opened. So if you're not descended from one of those 16 families, you're not Yorta Yorta. Doesn't mean you're not Indigenous. Um, but you're not Yorta Yorta. And so we understand that Lauren believes that her uh, great-grandfather, a man named Graham Berry, um, was a Yorta Yorta man. However, uh, Graham Berry's daughter, a woman named Joan Keel, spoke exclusively with Jetta Costa and said she doesn't know where that information has come from. Her 
father never identified as Aboriginal. They never spoke about it. Nobody in her family uh, agrees with that definition of saying that he was Yorta Yorta. They don't think he was Aboriginal at all. Um, so it, it's really a <laughs> conflicting situation. You, it, it's not a nice position, is it, to, to uh, call out somebody and say, I don't think you are who you say you are. But it's also, you know, it's very important to Aboriginal people to have ownership um, of their identity and for those communities. And essentially um, what the Yorta Yorta Aboriginal Corporation have told us, the CEO, Monica Morgan, said that, well, you can't say Yorta Yorta until you come to the Yorta Yorta and you you identify and we trace your Mm. genealogical link and we match it all up. And she says she's looked into the genealogy Graham Berry is not part of those 16 um, descended families. So, yeah, it's it's a very contested situation. Especially when you're claiming that as, as an aspect of your character in public life. Exactly. That's what really throws up a lot of issues here because this is going to be a battleground seat in the election. The Greens yes. are a real chance to get up and, and win it from Labor. And, uh, you know, there are question marks flying around here Um about why Lauren O'Dwyer was selected for the seat. We know that people are wanting to have more Indigenous people in Parliament, but we want Indigenous people who have identified through the correct means and are accepted by their community. There have been questionable things that O'Dwyer has said on the campaign trail um, around things like referring to an injecting room as a meeting place for Aboriginal people, which really did not go down well with the community. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a really interesting situation. It's, I mean, slightly more broadly too, these conversations, I mean, conversations around identity are, are very difficult things. But as you said earlier, uh, Dana, this is, this is a, you know, your to yorta business and... and there's this difficulty for settler Australians like myself to come into these conversations, to have a position on these conversations when we're talking about a thing which is specifically about Indigenous identity and is a matter for the the people of, of, of those identity groups to settle and to determine, not for people like me to have a view on. I totally understand the reluctance from, um, you know, Anglo and, and white Australians and European Australians um, around, you know, nobody likes to, yeah, it, it is a difficult conversation to have, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be having it. Mm. And there's a difference between quietly identifying in that way um, and then taking up identified Aboriginal positions and then, you know, using it as part of your election materials. And that means it's in the public interest. If, you, if you're putting, you know, Yorta Yorta at the centre of your campaign, but yeah. you haven't been to the Yorta Yorta, you haven't consulted with the elders, that's a big problem. Like that's understandably the Yorta Yorta are very angry about this because, um, you know, O'Dwyer's almost uh, putting up that she's going to be a spokesperson on Indigenous issues. But how can you be when you're not consulting with community? Increasingly, too, we're going to need to find a path in this conversation because um, Indigenous identity and identifying as an Indigenous Australian, if we look at the last census, it's a, a thing which more and more people are doing.
Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. And it's not to say that people can't identify it later in life. I know that where I'm from, on the north northwest coast of Tasmania, uh, there have been a huge number of people start to identify later in life. Mm. But you can't uh, disconnect that from the complexities of, well, they didn't identify earlier in life because they would have been subjected to terrible racism. Uh, so, you know, as we grow and develop and evolve as a society, it's understandable that more people would want to identify with their Aboriginal heritage. However, the the, com the conversation here is then, well, what about the people and the families that, you know, maybe don't have a choice about whether they identify or not because they are black presenting? Uh, what about the people who have always um, lived and worked in an Aboriginal space uh, and then people who are identifying later in life? It's not to say that one is more important than the other or that one person holds more weight than the other, but mm, mm. we need to make sure that it's balanced and that, you know, people aren't discovering that they have an Aboriginal link and then becoming a spokesperson for Aboriginal issues because there's a lot of learning to be done over a lifetime that goes into you know, the incredible voices of the Aboriginal people who push along for Aboriginal rights. I'm thinking people like Megan Davis, Pat Anderson, uh, Pat Turner, like, you know, you can't discount their lifetime of experience yes, from somebody who's <laughs> yeah, yeah, newly identified. And it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable, mm. but it doesn't mean it's not important. Let's jump to Central Australia. There's, I find this story extraordinary that a new art gallery for Indigenous art is proposed in, in Alice Springs, National Aboriginal Art Gallery, a wonderful thing. But the site on which it's proposed to be built is, is a site of cultural significance. How does that happen? Yes. Yeah, so this story has come from uh, our Indigenous Affairs correspondent, Carly Williams, and Indigenous Affairs reporter, Kirsty Willauer. And it's a really fascinating story that speaks to a broader problem when we talk about consultation with mm. First Nations people. So um, the proposed site for this Aboriginal art gallery, which the Alice Springs community is divided over because it's a really significant amount of money that's going into this gallery and there are really entrenched problems uh, in Alice Springs that people think need to be addressed first before you put, I think it's 80-odd million dollars or no, even $130 million into a gallery and you've got people who don't have secure housing and that sort of thing. So there's that conversation happening there. We could potentially walk and chew gum on that, of course, and do both. We could. <laughs> Governments like to say they can uh, walk and chew gum and then they fall over. Uh, so we, we, we could, you know, it's you know one thing to say you can do it and then another to do it. Indeed. But then the other part is that this, um, this site that they've proposed is a women's site. And, you know, the, the cultural caretakers are saying, no, we don't want it here. It's not appropriate to be here. There's stories here already that should be respected. Uh, we shouldn't be putting an art gallery. This shouldn't be open for tourism. Uh, and, and it seems like the government is ignoring that. Well, that speaks to a broader issue of 
consultation problems when it comes to Aboriginal people. And we've seen this in the past where if governments don't get the answer that they want from an Aboriginal community, they will then continue to consult and pressure and then you see divides among family groups and, you know, it starts huge problems for people who are in the community. But it comes down to this site. You know, there's another identified site, I think, um, four or five k's out of town on the southern side, which would be a great place, um, the community are saying, because it is a meeting place for Aboriginal people over the years. So it would be great as a site for an art gallery because you could bring stories there. It's appropriate to have multiple people there. But why the government is so attached to putting this on a women's site. And we've even heard, you know, male artists say, well, we don't want to hang our art in a women's site because that's hugely disrespectful. So, it's, you know, what if they build this art gallery but they want to fill it with Indigenous art, but the Indigenous people understand the cultural law here and that, you know, you shouldn't be trampling over a sacred site. What are they going to put in it? Like, it just doesn't make sense from on the part of the government to proceed with this when the consultation isn't ticking the boxes. Yes, when a spot of consultation might have avoided some of these issues. Dana, thank you. Complex things, but beautifully discussed. Well done. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Dana Morse, uh, ABC Federal Reporter for Indigenous Affairs. And Dana is from the Plangamarina Palawa mob in Tasmania. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.